Mm-hmm. You know, always mm-hmm. bringing my best self into what I was doing. Um, and that really required me believing in me. Like, you know, because if I didn't, you know, nobody else was going to. What, what it did teach me is that, you know, listen to people's opinions and, and you know, value them to a fault, but, you know, never lose sight on what you wanted to do. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hey guys, um, my name is Victoria Walker. I go by Vicky. Um, I'm from Hampton, Virginia. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and I'm a writer for The Points Guy. Okay, so I'm super excited. So I just want to take us back about six years to the year 2014. <laughs> 2014 seemed to be your year. You were absolutely living in every respect. So you were in school. You were at Howard University. You read Howard. Yes. I'm um, proud Bison graduate, uh, HU all day. All day, every day. All day, every day. In the DNA. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, all day. You hooked up with Jamlo Records, run by Ninth Wonder. Yeah. You've been taking all kind of pictures with all these music folks, Gucci Mane, Big Baby, Pimp C, Big Critter, <laughs> Jean Grey, uh, Rhapsody, Lauren Hill even. Um, you got to go to the White House Correspondence Dinner. You got mm-hmm. a, a picture with the Barack and the Michelle Obama. <laughs> Uh, a handshake and a hug. I have my notes here. <laughs> uh, and you look like you just about to cry. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like their hands are really soft. The thing I remember most about that is like both of their hands were really, really soft. Um, like, and my grandmother <laughs> told me beforehand, she was like, make sure you like smile out into the crowd. <laughs> yes. It just looked like you were like, oh, my God, you're hugging me. Literally. <laughs> You had a For the Culture tour. I think that was 2014. First of all, you travel with your friends. Yeah. Can we talk about that? You actually yeah. travel with you. And they seem to be like, man, your HBCU experience seems to be just like so amazing dope. There are pictures of so many Black people and it's a lot of the same Black people. And you yeah. travel with those Black people. Like, I do. Talk about that. So... um I grew up traveling, but not kind of in the way that a lot of other people did and that like we only did um, road trips. And so uh, my, nobody in my family flew or flies really. So um, like I grew up, we would, tr- we would uh, take road trips down to Texas. We went down to San Antonio in 1999, I believe, for my um, cousin's graduation from Air Force uh, basic training. And uh, we did Disney World a bunch of times. Um, We did Miami to take a cruise. But the big, like, cross-country trips we did were to Las Vegas to see my cousin, who was uh, stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. 
Um, and so we all, it, it would be like a 16 passenger van with like 13 of us, all of our luggage, um, literally driving from Virginia to Las Vegas. Um, and we would stop along the way. We went to see the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. Uh, we went to the Grand Canyon, really just, you know, really made like a whole affair out of, you know, uh, what was a three week uh, process. So we would, it would take three days to drive there. We would spend a couple, you know, maybe two weeks in Las Vegas, and then we would drive back, which was again, a three day uh, trip. Um, so we did that twice. We did um, Virginia to Las Vegas um, once, and then we did Virginia to Las Vegas to Los Angeles to San Francisco, uh, which was a crazy whirlwind trip. And I did that uh, when I was uh, 12. So that like really kind of got me into traveling. I didn't really travel like, you know, out of the country until I got to Howard. Um, and so in 2014, you kind of alluded to it, but 2014 was really kind of my like breakout year and that like, you know, the experiences really like shaped me for like who I am now. So um, in 2014, I was a junior at Howard. Yeah, I was a junior. And um, I was volunteering with Howard's Alternative Spring Break Program, um, which is a you know, community-based uh, service project uh, where we send hundreds of Howard University students all, all around the country to places like Chicago, state in DC, Baltimore, um, where else were Detroit, a lot of like a lot of cities um, around the country. And then there was also a service project to Haiti to help assist with um, earthquake relief. And so um, in 2013, when I was a sophomore, um, I volunteered in Chicago and it was an eye opening experience. Um, and I went as the university's student staff photographer. And in 2014, I decided to volunteer with ASB again. Um, and I assumed that I would be going to Chicago again. Um, and I was like ready for that. And like two weeks before eight, or like a month, maybe a month before, um, alternative spring break, uh, which was in March, um, the university reached out to me and said like, Hey, do you want to go to Haiti instead? I'm like, do I want to go to Haiti? Like, absolutely. Um, and so I had to like rush and get my passport. It was just, it was a whole affair. Um, and then, you know, we did like the kind of what to expect before you go to Haiti, um, you know, kind of everything, you know, just preparing for the trip, preparing for, what, you know, what we would experience, people we would meet, um, you know, being mindful of the culture, making sure that, you know, you're not like inadvertently like saying or doing something that is, you know, disrespectful. Um, and so I was really excited um, to go. And <laughs> the day before we were supposed to go also, so to kind of backtrack, um, I had never been on a plane before. So like, like I said, we did all cross country trips um, and I had never been on a plane before. So this is going to be my first time flying on a plane, which is going to be an international flight. So the day before, and, go ahead. And it was the, it was just the day. Yes after day, that flight had gone. Yes, so it was it, it was exactly one day after um, MH370 went missing. And so I was just like, oh no, I can't do this, I can't go. <laughs> and my family, you know, they were kind of iffy about me going, like, I mean, they were fine with me going to Chicago to a fault, um, but they were very iffy about me going to Haiti. So they were just like, oh, this was their opportunity to be like, you know, you can really stay home. Um, 
and I really considered it. (laughs) We were in, we were in the meeting, you know, the like night before meeting to just kind of like, you know, talk about like, you know, what we would experience throughout the week. And I was really sitting there like, you know, what, nobody would judge me if I just didn't show up. Right. (laughs) And you know, my family, my family was like, you know, you like, you really don't have to go. Like it is because you can, serve and you can serve black people in other ways and um so I decided you know like you know I said when I got to college you know if I had the opportunity that I was going to travel I was going to like experience new things and so I decided to go so um we had a flight from Washington to New York and then from New York to Port-au-Prince um and again it was my first time on a plane like first time going through TSA like I was a nervous wreck um, like it was early in the morning, you know, we get to our seats, um, our like site advisor, like our like um, faculty advisor had to sit beside me because I was literally just holding on to her in sheer terror because like, I was just like, why, why are, where, where are all these noises coming from? And like, why, why are we not in the air yet? And so we took off and I was just like, completely beside myself. Like I was terrified. Um, but then, you know, we got to Haiti, um, and it was easily one of the most memorable experiences that I've had, one of the most life-changing experiences that I had. And I'm really glad that I really got out of my comfort zone to do something that, you know, my family hadn't done. And, you know, they were also just kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe you don't want to do that. And I'm really glad, you know, in that moment that like, you know, I listened to my own um, gut and I listened to my own instincts and I kind of put my fear aside um, and, you know, really got to like, you know, um, like serve and, you know, just really do a great thing. And so that's what really kind of, that, that, that experience was the thing that really kind of, you know, sparked my interest in travel. Like um, right after that, I did a trip to Ghana for two weeks, um, which was the second time I had been on a plane, which was, you know, just a, that, and that was even more crazy because it was a 14 hour flight. It was a 14 hour flight from um, Washington, Dallas to Addis Ababa, and then another six hours to Accra. Um, and so like, I was nowhere near like a seasoned traveler. So I was just like, there's just no way in the world I can be on a plane for like 14 hours and technically like 18 hours. Like there's just no way in the world. Um, and so um, after I got back from Ghana, I was like, wait a minute, like I really enjoy traveling. I enjoy the process. I enjoy getting there. I enjoy being there. I enjoy meeting new people, experiencing new cultures, trying new food. I was like, I want to do this again. Um, and um, this, yeah, and this, you know, this is all, you know, still in 2014. I got to go to Germany um, through um, an exchange program between the German embassy and um, some colleges in the U.S. to include Howard. Um, and um, yeah, I spent two weeks in Berlin. Um, spent yeah, spent some time in Berlin, uh, Volksburg, and Hamburg. Ate a lot of German food. Drank a lot of beer. And, you know, like 2014 was just kind of like the breakout year, but everything like really kind of 
like every I would say like my life kind of changed in terms of like how I travel in on Christmas uh, in 2014 when I found this insane mistake flight fare from DC to Abu Dhabi for $265. And, you know, I'd never been to the Middle East. And again, you know, I'm still not a, you know, frequent flyer, like still don't really, you know, know a lot about like seeing the world. And I was, I called my, I called uh, two, three of my friends, Alexis, Freedom, and Janelle. And I was just like, hey, we're going to Abu Dhabi. Like I'm booking your tickets now. So Janelle ended up going, uh, we went in February of 2015 uh, around my birthday. And that kind of jump-started your uh, points and miles. Yes. Yeah, that whole yes. journey. Yeah. That, so I, you know, you know, cause, because I'd never really traveled before, I had no real, like, knowledge about, like, you know, traveling for free or points and miles or even flight deals. Like, I tell people this often when we booked the Abu Dhabi uh, ticket, I booked it with a debit card, which you're really not supposed to do. But I didn't have a credit card that had over, like, a $500 limit. Um, and so, you know, I told my friends, I was like, hey, like, these tickets, I, I, what I knew for a fact was that, like, tickets to Abu Dhabi weren't supposed to be under $300. So I was like, yeah, like, regardless of, you know, what whatever else is going on, like, we're going to go. Like, we, like, I skipped one of my midterms to go. Um, and so, like, the three of us went, um, had a great experience. It was, a, like, amazing uh, birthday to, like, like spend in uh, Abu Dhabi in Dubai. We were there for, like, five to six days. Um, ate a lot of food, you know, felt like, you know, we were still in college. So, you know, we're broke. Like, but we felt like so wealthy just being out there, um, you know, and it was a like really great experience. Um, you know, I booked that ticket, like I had only been out of the country a few times. Um, Alexis had only been out of the country a few times. I don't even think Freedom had a passport at the time, but I was just like, listen, we'll just figure that out later. Um, and so like, I always point to when people ask me like how I kind of got into what I do now, I always point to 2014 because that was kind of like catalyst that like sparked everything else. And I wanted to ask you, um, when you were at Howard, you, I think it's you, um, organized a panel about first generation black travelers. Yeah. So this was, um, not when I was at Howard, but this is when I was teaching at Howard. Um, somebody asked me to be, or so actually the uh, Yali organization, um, asked me to be on a panel to talk about first-generation travelers. Yali was an organization that um, took us to Ghana in 2014, so it was really cool to, like, you know, kind of break down and demystify, like, you know, what travel is for, you know, a lot of people who didn't really grow up, like, you know, flying out of the country. I wanted to ask you, too, like, about the family dynamic you said something on instagram usually it's like a music quote right <laughs> you love rap <laughs> yeah typically so you got yeah. like music lyrics for days um but i don't i think this was you and you said i'd like to thank me for believing in me yeah so for me like i you know this isn't necessarily about kind of travel, but just kind of how like my professional um, career has gone. You know, I've been in the, in my early career uh, when I was just starting out in journalism. 
I uh, felt like I was getting passed over for a lot of things. I felt like, you know, I, you know, I was being told to wait my turn while other people who had not waited their turn were being rewarded for, you know, just about anything. Um, and so, you know, I really like credit kind of my fortitude to like staying in journalism and staying in media when, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, four or five years ago, the odds seemed kind of insurmountable. Um, I didn't feel like I had a place in this industry. I didn't feel like, um, you know, I could contribute anything meaningful. Um, and, you know, when um, I started teaching at Howard is when I really felt like my career had been rejuvenated because like I was finally able to do work that was meaningful, um, that had an impact. Um, and, you know, something that I did um, because I like believed in myself, you know, like it, it was, a, you know, teaching was something that I was just like, well, is this something that I can really do? Like, because nobody really goes to school, you know, unless you're on the K-12 level, nobody really goes to school to teach. Um, and it's not something that you, like teaching is not something that you really learn in a classroom. It's something that you kind of learn on the job. And so like navigating those dynamics, navigating the fact that I was a very young professor and that, you know, I looked like a lot of my students, you know, I dressed like a lot of my students. Yeah, um, you was like yeah. two years older than them. Like, yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I mean, I had students, I had students older than me. I had students my age, I had students who I knew when I was at Howard. Um, and so, you know, navigating that dynamic, but also, you know, just being, you know, always bringing my best self into what I was doing. Um, and that really required me believing in me, like, you know, because if I didn't, you know, nobody else was going to. Um, and so, you know, like, I have a lot of people to, like, thank for my success. Um, but I also have myself to thank for my success, um, because I put in the work. So I wanted to ask you, like, about your family. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you'd had support from them along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Were your family, like, uh, are they in the industry at all, like the media journalism industry? No, 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 I'm the only person. Um, so um, my uh, grandmother, uh, who passed away in 2017, um, really, she, first and foremost, she was about education. <laughs> um, and so, like, right before she died, she told me, she was like, you need to go back to school and get your master's. Um, and so like my grandmother, so when I got, so it, it, it's kind of twofolded, um, well, two-sided. So, uh, when I was picking colleges, um, and this goes back to listening to myself and kind of believing myself when I was picking colleges, I had the opportunity to go to Georgetown just for just about free. Um, and you know, I, you know, did some you know, research into Georgetown um, and I was just like, I don't want to go here. Um, and so, um, I knew I, yeah, at the time I wasn't even really sure if I wanted to go to college. The other alternative was 80. Um, cause also I didn't have coming out of high school. I didn't have the grades <laughs> to really get into kind of any like good college. Um, but I said, you know, if I do have the opportunity to go to college, it's going to be Howard. And so I only applied to Howard. I didn't apply anywhere else. Um, and I applied early, it's either early action or early, early action, because I think early action is when you can still decide if you don't want to go early decision, you have to commit there. 
So I, I did early action um, just to kind of give myself a better chance of actually getting in. Um, and so I found out that I had gotten in in December. And so initially, like my family was not on board with it because, you know, they were thinking like, you have to pay for this. Georgetown's free. At the time, my dad was really harping on me to be a lawyer. I'm like, I don't want to be a lawyer. Like, I have zero desire to practice law, do law of any way, shape or form. Um, and I was kind of, kind of, you know, debating on a major, but I knew it was going to be a communications. It was either going to be radio, TV or film or journalism. And so, you know, like at the time it was, you know, it was a lot of, uh, we had a lot of tense conversations because everybody's just kind of looking at the now and I was looking at the future. Um, and so, you know, I get, I, I have a tendency to get very contrite um, when I know I'm right about something and that I don't take a lot of um, advice. Um, when I know something is right, when I know I'm going to do something, there's really no way you can like sway me otherwise. So, you know, my family's like, go to Georgetown, be a lawyer. Like, and I'm just like, no, not even going to consider it. And you know, my family's like, consider it. No, I'm not going to consider it. Like it's no. So um, I got to Howard and um, academically, I did find my first year, but just kind of um, in terms of, I changed my major three times. I didn't have, you know, I didn't come out of freshman year with like a big internship. And so, you know, my dad and my grandmother and my aunt were like, is Howard, like, you know, you, you said you wanted to go to Howard and you said you wanted to do all these things at Howard. Why aren't you doing them? Like, we told you you could be a lawyer. And so, you know, that kind of went back and forth for a couple of years um, until, again, my junior year, which was 2014. Like 2014 was really just like the year for like everything because I got tons of internships. I got internship at NPR. I got in an uh, internship for, you know, the next year at Reuters, won the White House Correspondent Scholarship, got to travel, um, was really coming along in, you know, like my journalism career at Howard, where it changed my family's opinion. Like, yeah, like you made the right choice. And, you know, at graduation, my grandmother was like, yeah, you like made the right choice. And my aunt said, yeah, you made the right choice. Um, and, you know, I really think that my the trajectory of my life would have been different had I gone anywhere else. Like had I gone to Georgetown because they didn't have a journalism program, like I would have been stuck in a major I didn't want to do doing something because my family thought that that was the best decision for me when I always knew what the best decision for myself was. Um, and so what it did teach me is that, you know, listen to people's opinions and, and, you know, value them to a fault, but, you know, never lose sight on what you wanted to do because, you know, they, like, I, I wouldn't have been able, like, I wouldn't have made, I wouldn't have met the Obamas. I wouldn't have been able to like, you know, travel. I probably wouldn't be like, you know, you know, the like, you know, somebody who's like super interested in travel like I am now, had it not been for the experiences that I had in undergrad. Um, and so, you know, I can, I credit my family a lot, like I, you know, for their support, especially after my sophomore year, I credit them a lot. Um, I credit them for always being, you know, a, a, a really like good ear. Um, and I also credit them, you know, my family, they're very blunt and direct and 
that's something that I appreciate. I, I don't really appreciate, you know, just kind of like talking o- around words. So, if, you know, my family, like my grandmother or my aunts, dis- fundamentally disagree with something they are abs- absolutely going to say it. Um, and, you know, I appreciate that. But, you know, I always knew what I wanted to do in my career. I knew where I wanted to be. Um, and that required me having kind of a laser focus on it and kind of blocking out all of the noise, um, regardless of, you know, whether, you know, it was attached to people that I love and who people who had, you know, uh, my best interests, um, I knew what I wanted to do uh, for me. I guess that's just part of like the growing up process as well. Um, them understanding. Oh yeah, most definitely. You're a fully formed human being with your own path, regardless of their desires. And of right. course, it's usually rooted right. in love, but it's also rooted in fear. They want you to have a good job. Oh, most definitely. Right? And it's like, well, what? Yeah. Is- and which I did. Yeah. Like you know, like who who makes money in journalism? Like we know lawyers make money. You know, we know like you know lawyers have really great lives. And you know, I I had interned the summer after my freshman year at Georgetown Law. So I got to kind of see like how, you know, you know, what it meant to be a lawyer. And it just further solidified, you know, my belief that I have zero desire to be a lawyer. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, you know, and there's, you know, there's that, that, that's not like a dig at the experience, not a dig at lawyers. And it's also not a dig at my family, but I was just like, yeah, like I want to be a journalist. Like, no desire to do really anything else. Um, and so, you know, that just meant that, okay, like, if you guys aren't on board with this yet, I'm going to show you why you should be. And that's kind of how uh, 2014 and 2015 went, just really like showing y'all like, listen, like, I made the right choice. Like, I mean, it all came to kind of fruition when they saw me with the Obama. It's like, it was just like, no, like, um, like this is a oh, real like, thing. You definitely <laughs> wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, yeah, this is a re- this is a real thing. This is a real thing. Like you were like on national television, yeah. with the Obama. Like you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been able to do that. Like getting a law degree from George, uh, getting like a pre law degree and then going to law school. Like so. So just to kind of go over your timeline a little bit, you know, you're at Howard. Um. You did talk about your internship at NPR and also Reuters. You went yeah. to the Washington Post. Yeah. And it seemed like that's kind of when it got real for you. Yeah. Um, so I spent almost three years at the Post um, covering uh, breaking news video. And um, just, I would say, I, so I when I got to the Post in 2015, um, I was immediately like thrust into breaking news. And breaking news is something that like not everybody can cover. Like it's, it requires a lot of like, like mental toughness because it's, yes, it's like the, you know, the kind of constant churn, churn, churn of like news. And like, you always feel like, you know, you're running around, like you're a chicken, like running around with your head chopped off, but also just kind of like the subject matter. And so um, I want to say it might've been my third month there um and uh the paris tariffs attacks happened and i was there until like three o'clock in the morning um and you know just kind of constantly ingesting uh videos of like you know you know 
young concert goers or like, you know, young folks in Paris who were enjoying a night out and then, you know, everything went to hell. Um, and so, you know, it kind of, you know, it, 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 it kind of alternated kind of my work day uh, because I covered, I was the night video editor. So I came in at two and I left at 10, which is when all of the crazy things that would happen in the world happen. They all happen at night. Now, um, wait, and so, when you say video ahead. editor, are you saying the unedited video source? What do you mean? Or were you seeing the edited video source? Oh, no, no, no. So like the raw um, footage. Yeah. We're saying typically like the raw footage. That's um, crazy. And so like sometimes, 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 you know, cause we would typically get it either from like, you know, people on the ground who just happen to have their phones and, you know, happen to be shooting, which that's not sanitized at all. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, you cover a lot of these things and you would see people dying like on, on camera. Um, and it, it's, I mean, it's heavy, like it's heavy, even yeah. if you only, even if you haven't been in, the, even if you've been in the industry for years, like you never really get accustomed to constantly seeing people die. You just kind of put a, um, kind of put a pause on your emotions to get the story out and to make sure you do it justice and then you like process it. And so, you know, because I was, you know, cover I, because I was the night video editor, um, it kind of 20, 2016 most definitely was kind of a mix cross between covering like the presidential election. So President Trump would do uh, well, then you know candidate Trump would do like a rally uh, pretty much every night around like five or seven. Um, and so I had to you know listen to those, cut those. Um, and then you know like uh, 2016, 2017 was the year of like a lot of like really awful terrorist attacks around the around the country and around the world um and so i was doing those and so you know you do that for a while and you just kind of realize like so i i went to well i i did go to school for journalism and i got into video because i saw kind of the writing on the wall when i was in school and that like the pivot to video was happening and that like all of these organizations were hiring video people. Um, and I realized like, okay, if I wanted to get a job after I graduated, I should probably learn how to do video. And so I learned how to do video um, in college. And so, you know, a couple of years doing that, I realized like I have zero desire to do video, like none. Like, um, and so um, I would say the trying to remember when I started, started, um, I would say the fall of 2017 is when I started to think, okay, maybe I should start looking for another job and it should probably not be in video. Um, and so, you know, I was kind of casually, you know, looking for, looking for another job. Um, because again, you know, just all these terrorist attacks, all these mass shootings, all of these like Trump rallies, I was just like, I cannot continue to do this. Um, and so like, I was casually looking at jobs, like casually, casually looking at other video jobs that weren't like breaking news. I, at the time I had, didn't even like think about like travel as like a, like meaningful job, like, or a job that would like, you know, you know, keep food on the table. And so, you know, I was looking for jobs, looking for a job and uh, like literally one kind of like fell into my lap 
because I, at the time I was adjuncting at Howard in the journalism department, uh, which was really cool. Like, you know, I was teaching a class a week, like, you know, was, you know, kind of open-ended schedule. Like I had, I, I taught one class a week from like five to eight. Uh, and it was really like, it was definitely a lecture, but it was also kind of like a discussion class. And I could kind of see like, you know, how, you know, the program has changed since I graduated, you know, to them being there um, at the time. And so, you know, I was cool being an adjunct. I was also prepared to, you know, adjunct through the summer and then, you know, be an adjunct uh, in the fall. And a university called me and they were like, hey, do you want to teach full time? And I was just like, um, sure. <laughs> like, you know, like, sure, why, why not? Like, you know, cause I, you know, at the time I was like, wait a minute, like I get summers off, <laughs> like I get like a summer vacation, um, you know, for the most part, you know, get to make your own schedule. Um, you know, I had, you know, the connection with uh, people at Howard. So, you know, I graduated in 2015, but I was like always on campus, like, you know, seeing my old professors, seeing like, <laughs> yes, like, yeah, like always on, always on campus. So like, you know, going back seemed like it didn't even, it wasn't even really like a no brainer. Like it was just like, oh yeah, absolutely. And so um, when uh, the university drafted the contract is when I put in my two weeks um, and I put in exactly two weeks I left right like after that two weeks and then I took myself to Cabo for a couple of days <laughs> had the summer the remainder yeah, it was great had the remainder of the summer off um and then uh started um full-time at Howard in the fall of 2018. So you said that 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 job was rewarding but it seems like 2017 was kind of a tough year for you so like you yeah, said yeah 2017 was a horrible year like you said your grandma was a horrible year like you said, your yeah, my grandmother. Passed, but then I also, my grandmother died. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just saying it. Uh, you were also talking about like the stress of the industry that doesn't want you. Yeah. And then like I saw you bought a shirt that said "Too tired to code switch." <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I just felt like I didn't really have a place in the industry. Like I was considering like getting out altogether, going into PR. Um, and then ha literally Howard like fell into my lap and they wanted me to teach not communications, not film. They wanted me to teach journalism. And so I was like, wait a minute, like, yeah, like I actually do have a place in this industry. And I have like, I'm also like really good at my job. I'm good at what I do. Like they didn't just ask me to teach because, you know, they needed an extra body. They knew what I could, they knew what I could do. Um, and so, you know, yeah, like 2017, like 2017 was trash. Um, but much like 2014. So 2014 was a pivotal year in that it was a great year. 2017 was a pivotal year in that it was a terrible year, but it was still pivotal. Um, and I um, learned a lot from 2017. Um, just in terms of like kind of going back to like believing in myself and like believing in my abilities and, you know, not really, you know, not paying attention to the noise and, you know, like, you know, art, should you, do you belong here? Like, I'm like, yes. Um, and so, yeah. 
But it also seems like you've been able to build some really dope relationships, not just at Howard, but in the journalism community, in the Black journalism community at large. So like, you know, being a part of a National Association of Black Journalists, you rubbing elbows with Wesley Lowry and Nicole <laughs> Hannah-Jones, Miss Ida Bay-Wells herself, Miss 1619 Project. Yeah, it seems like you, uh, uh, I think as young Black journalists, YBJ, uh, and DC doing meetups yeah. with them. Like, it seemed like DC, yeah, so, like you left no stone unturned, so to speak. It's like, it seems like you really yeah, spread. Like, yeah. D- I, I really came into myself uh, when I moved to DC. Um, you know, like being, so, you know, when I, when I graduated um, from college, a lot of my friends moved um, and I stayed in DC. A lot of my friends moved to like LA, New York, uh, Atlanta. Um, but I knew I wanted to be in DC just because I knew like, you know, if you move to LA, um, for journalism, specifically entertainment had no real desire. They didn't really want to live in the South. Um, and you know, it wasn't time for me to move to New York yet. Um, and so, you know, when I got out of school, you know, it really, it, I, it really felt to me to like, you know, try and not be a homebody, try and meet new people, like, go out like you know really forge like connections with people so like i i say this often especially when we do the young black journalist brunch i don't really believe in like the whole like networking i don't care about business cards i want to be friends with people and so like i was really able to like you know really find a core friend group in dc um and a lot of them were like similar to me like young black journalists like just getting their start out in the industry um, and so when did we start doing these? We started doing these in like 2017. Um, we started having these brunches for like black journalists in the DC area. I have some folks come from Baltimore too, um, where we, it was just really like a, like, just a like really dope space. Like I, t- I would tell people like, you know, every time we did the brunch, like, I don't want to see any business cards exchanged. I don't like none of that. Like, Pour a mimosa, or if you don't drink an orange juice, make your plate, <laughs> like, and, like, you know, really meet people, and, like, I, like, we, so we did maybe five of these between 2017, and the last one we did was February, I'm, like, no, it was January, um, and each time, like, it was just such a, like, dope space, like, um, I, like I met people from like the journalist brunch, like because you know we would invite people. Um, we didn't really know everybody. Like I knew a lot of the people who would go, but I didn't know everybody. I met people there. Like I met people who were like you know, like lifelong friends there. Um, and each time, like each time, we would have people come up to us and be like, "Hey, like I'm new to DC. Like thank you for like you know creating this space." Or like I'm the only black person in my newsroom. I felt like you know. I feel like I'm alone and like this space makes me feel like, you know, we're not alone. Cause basically what we would do, uh, you know, um, the four of us who put it on myself, uh, Rhiannon, uh, Jonko and, and Phil, we would always kind of make us kind of a toast. Um, but we would always kind of like drill home the fact that like, you know, in this industry, it's very easy to feel like you're alone and, you know, like you have a tribe, you have a community, you have a squad, you have like a friend base where like, you know, you're not alone, which is why I was so like adamant about like, I don't want to see business cards. I don't want this to be like a, 
I don't want this to be like a typical DC. So what do you do? Who's your boss? Where do you work? Like type of networking yeah. event. Like I was like, this is not a networking event. Like you're like, you're going to meet people. Like, and it's not going to be based on like what they're like, you know, perceived value. Value in the network right. is. Right. And so what they can right, do what for they you. can do for you. And so like, I think that's what kind of um, made us different from like other like, kind of meetups like other type of like uh and I'm not just speaking in journalism just like kind of like meetups like in DC and that like it was kind of like a no business card like you guys are like you know you gonna make friends like I made like so many friends like even at the last one that we did in January like I made I met people because I like I came down from New York uh like met people I had never really met before and like you know now you know these people are my like Instagram close friends like um and so like i think that kind of like speaks to like the power of like community and like how tight like the young black journalist squad in dc is like because like i mean you would have people like you know from like white house correspondents to like you know just you know like the production assistant at like the local news station and it was just like no like sort of pretension because like a lot of events in dc can feel not even feel can be very pretentious um, and so, you know, wanted to like cultivate a space where it was not that whatsoever. And you know how I could tell? It's because of your hairstyle. So I noticed like <laughs> whenever you're doing like proper stuff, you straighten it. So it's like graduation, you know, your pictures with the Obamas. <laughs> but whenever like the real and the raw Vicky is out, that's when them Afro pups come out. Yeah. So, um, well, I mean, now my hair is locked, so it's not like it really makes a difference. But um, yeah, so yeah, I went natural in 2011, I believe. Yeah, I went natural in 2011. Um, I, n- nine times out of 10, if I straightened it, it was not really for any specific thing. It was mainly to see, it was mainly to do a length check because I never really knew how long my hair was. Um, and then, um, I stopped straightening it all together and I want to say in like 2016. Um, and then last year I decided to lock it up. Um, cause I was just kind of ready for like a new thing for me. Like, I know a lot of people I'm in, you know, various, like, you know, lock community, like Facebook groups that for them, it's like, you know, like a, spiritual thing is not really a spiritual thing for me i enjoy the journey <laughs> it's, it's not like i like and i don't take that away from anybody else for whom you know that experience is it's just not a spiritual thing for me i en- i do enjoy the journey i enjoy watching them grow like i enjoy like each time i get a retwist seeing how long my hair has gotten like i enjoy like you know a lot of people we talk about the ugly phase a lot and some people really don't like calling it an ugly face. I was like, yeah, like for me, it was an ugly face, but I like really like embraced it. Like I didn't like, I didn't wear like, you know, hats over. I just kind of like let it rock. Like even now, cause I haven't gotten a retwist in like three, yeah, like three months. Like I'm just kind of like letting it rock. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like not a spiritual thing at all. I did want to touch back. Um, you were talking about at the DC meetups, how you know, it wasn't pretentious and people were asking about, is there a space for us and so forth. So like DC, you got all grown up, right? And you said, all right, 
it's time to move on. You go to New York, you start working for the points guy. And like, I see a picture. So most of your pictures, uh, specifically on Instagram, are just like black as hell. Rap squats. (laughs) 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 Throwing up, you know, the peace sign and everything. Repping 757 all day, every day. Howard all day, every day. And then like, I, I, there's only two pictures I saw white people. One was in like 2015, just like some random white people it looked like. And then this one with the points guy. What has your experience been like working at the points guy? Um, no, it's been a really like great experience. Um, I started in June of 2019. Um, you know, I didn't come from a lot of, a lot of people who uh, a lot of people have been like a, a lot of people at TPG have been in Points and Miles uh, for like years, and I'm a relative newcomer. I really got into Points and Miles um, in 2017, um, and I, you know, I the only reason I really learned about Points and Miles is because I'm in a Facebook group for uh, predominantly Black travelers called Nomadic Travel Tribe, and um, there was this guy who uh, posted a photo of him, who posted a photo of him and um, FT High in first class. Um, and he was like, yeah, I paid like $35 for this. And I, like, I didn't know a lot about like first class. Like, I mean, we mainly did like flight deals, basically any type of mistake fare, or, like any type of like cheap flight deal, like economy, it'd be fine. Like, you know, be in the back of the plane. It was like no big deal. Um, but he was like, yeah, I paid like $35 for this. And like everybody in the comments was like, how did you do that? And he was like, I um, opened an American Airlines credit card, got the miles, and then I was able to travel between Seoul and Abu Dhabi and Etihad first class, the apartment um, cabin, which is easily one of the best like uh, premium cabins in the sky. Um, and he said, that's how he got to do it. And so like, that's when I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like I don't have to fly economy exclusively because I like I mean like I had a base understanding of points uh not so much miles but a base understanding of points because at the time I did have um uh American Express green card which I got after college because I thought it would make me look cool um and then I got a business platinum to like help out with like Vicky Venture stuff but I wasn't really like earning like a ton of points and what I was doing at the time before like I really like kind of got into the points and miles hobby was that I was basically spending, <laughs> I was basically wiping my uh, like uh, statement with my points, which is a terrible like use of points. And so like after I saw him like post that photo of like SEI first class, I was like, wait a minute, like you can actually do this? And so I did like a ton of research, like a ton of research, um, reading like all the blogs, like really reading about like, you know, the best credit cards to open, um, and so, like, after I saw that photo, because I, like, you know, I saw, like, Etsy had first class, like, he had, like, a butler and, like, a, like, you know, 30-inch TV and, like, you know, caviar on demand. I was like, yeah, like, that's a life I want to live. Um, I opened uh, the same American Airlines credit card that he ha- that he got. Um, and then a couple of months later, I opened an American Express Platinum card. A couple of months after that, I opened um, a Chase Sapphire preferred card. And that's kind of like really was like kind of really like my start into like points and miles, just like, you know, earning as many points as I can um, to then, you know, use them for travel. So um, I typically use a lot of my points on hotel stays. 
Um, and so, you know, transferring Chase Points to Hyatt uh, got me to Puerto Rico. Um, I spent a couple of days in this October of last year in Puerto Rico, um, booked on points. Um, I booked, um, I went to Rome and Milan uh, for Christmas. Um, I paid the hotel in Rome in cash, but I went to Milan for a day, paid that in points. Paid, so my stay was free. Um, and then right before the pandemic, my entire trip was booked with points. Um, I used around 54,000 points uh, round trip for a Delta flight between uh, Washington, Reagan to Atlanta to Mexico City and then uh, Aero Mexico business class back, which was amazing. Um, so like really like great flying experience on the 787 uh, Dreamliner. Um, and so, and then I stayed at uh, the Hyatt in Mexico City, like in like this like really cool neighborhood. It's like known to be like a very like posh, like kind of like very um, classy neighborhood. And so, um, yeah, like that's what really got me into like, you know, using points and miles, like telling people about earning points and miles, like, you know, how you can, you know, earn points and miles, even on like kind of like average spending, like kind of your everyday spending. So like earning points and miles by using like my Amex Gold for like supermarkets and dining out. Cause you know, now, uh, you know, being in New York, a lot of like outdoor dining, um, like spots are open again. So like, you know, earning points by doing that, like I got to go to the grocery store every week, so earning points on that. Got to go to the bodega at least like three times a week. So I'm earning points on that. Um, and so like, you know, even though I'm not traveling right now and I more than likely will not travel for the rest of the year, like I'm still like earning a couple thousand points between like all of my like points and miles balances. Um, I would say maybe two or 3,000 uh, points and miles a month. If you had to give someone just starting off like some tips, what would you tell them about um, taking advantage of points? Um, I would say, especially now, because a lot of people are not traveling, sign up for um, your like preferred airlines shopping portal. So like every airline, every like um, airline has a shopping portal. So like everybody right now, because, you know, store, I mean, store, I mean, stores are open, but like, you know, a whole lot of people aren't going to stores right now. So like you're doing a lot of online shopping. So with online shopping, um, you know, I, let's say like I bought something last week from Crate and Barrel. So normal people would just go to crateandbarrel.com, um, search for what they want to buy, buy it. And that's that people who are like into points and miles, what they would do was they would go to their shopping portal, see if there is what it's called in like an elevated bonus for like purchases at their like favorite store. Like, so let's say like Delta Airlines had like, uh, you know, seven points per dollar spent on crate and barrel purchases. So basically what you would do is you would go to um, Delta shopping portal and then click through to the crate and barrel link and you would buy your purchases there. And you would not only earn points on, you know, the actual crate and barrel purchase, but you're earning Delta points because you shop through their uh, portal. So um, that's, easy, that's one of the easiest ways. 
Um, and then, you know, another way is, come, is called stacking uh, offers. Like, let's say I had a card, credit card where I could earn, like I spend $50 at Crate and Barrel and I earn 2000 points, Amex points. So not only would I earn the base earning just from buying from Crate and Barrel, I would earn Amex points. And if I would earn, you know, 2000 Amex points for spending $50, for example, I, if I shop through the Delta portal, I would then also earn Delta miles. So I would earn points and miles just from that one purchase. So I always recommend people do like start with that route, especially because like, you know, a lot of people aren't traveling right now. Um, a lot of people don't have like travel plans right now. Um, but for when it is like when people do feel comfortable traveling, you can like easily build up a balance to like, you know, at least like start you off. Um, definitely do research into like what, you know, the best credit card is for you. Um, like if you're somebody who likes to eat out, um, buys a lot of groceries, basically if you buy like a lot of food, um, I always recommend um, the American Express Gold Card um, because you get uh, four points per dollar spent on dining, uh, which includes takeout, DoorDash, Seamless, like all of that. Um, but you also get um, forex spent at supermarkets. Um, so like, you know, I'm earning like a ton of points just from like, like I go to, I go to the grocery store at least once a week. Um, and I'm also going to like the bodega like three times a week. Cause you know, just getting milk and stuff like that. So I'm like earning points that way. So that's probably, I would say the easiest way um, in the, like the most simple, like simplistic way to like, uh, really learn about points and miles and like, you know, kind of get your like points and miles balance started. What has helped you to face challenges along the way? Uh, I would say I keep a lot of like, you know, my, my grandmother's wisdom. Um, like, you know, don't, don't let people get to you. Um, remember, like my grandmother used to say this often, like, remember, you know, how I like, uh, raised you remember how, you know, you know, the things that I taught you. And so like, you know, I would say, you know, college was full of challenges. Uh, like my early professional career was full of challenges. I would say, you know, my life was full of challenges right now with the pandemic. Um, but even now, like, you know, I remain grounded in my faith. I remain grounded in, you know, even though my grandma's not here, I, consistently hear her voice all the time um and she did that on purpose um and so like I like you know remain grounded in you know how I was raised and so like even now I don't let a lot of things like kind of get to me um and I think I can attribute that to like kind of how I was raised like not I don't let you know I don't let people you know you know, just kind of like walk over me. Um, and, you know, to a fault, I can turn the other cheek. I mean, sometimes, but in terms of like, just kind of letting things like get to me, I, especially now, you know, now I'm a little older, like in my early twenties. Yeah. Like everything bothered me. Like I took everything personally, um, took everything that like, you know, at work and my personal life, all of that was like, just like so personal and like the end of the world. Now it is not. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm getting too old for it. And so, like, um, I just, you know, kind of, you know, 
getting to this point now just really just, you know, meant that I had to go back to who I, you know, who I was, like, you know, who I, the person I was raised to be. Um, and so, yeah. And do you have any song lyrics or even a poem that speaks to you these days? Bust out one of them. Um, well, I doubt I could bust out one, but um, there, there's a line from a J. Cole song, um, January 28th. I mean, the thing is, I'm really not even a big J. Cole fan, but I do appreciate the line. Um, he says, don't give him too much you. Um, and that, I think that's something, um, like that, that song came out, like when I was either a freshman or a sophomore and I still like kind of like live my way, live my life according to that line. Like, you know, not giving people all of me. Um, cause I mean, you gotta save some like you for you. Um, and so like, you know, that kind of goes back to like, you know, not letting things bother me or not things bother me, but not in the way that they used to. Um, and so like, you know, I think that's just because, you know, I just don't give people like all of me. I keep, you know, some me for me, um, you know, for somebody who's like, you know, I'm, I'm a very online person. Um, but I have, I keep a you know, very like private life, um, and, um, pretty internal. And so, um, I, you know, I, I still kind of operate like that. Um, you know, have a really great, solid friend group, um, really great, you know, solid, like family support system. Um, you know, and that's just kind of, that's just kind of that. How do you like to explore a new place when you are traveling? So, um, I, I, I don't really operate on itineraries. I have like kind of an understanding like when I go somewhere I have like a kind of I make a list of like things that I would like to see so basically when I get when I go somewhere new um I do I I do this in like a kind of three-day like um thing so like I have one day where I basically just try and walk the city as much as the city as I can like pretty much try and like walk the city um, eat as much food as I can from like street vendors, um, et cetera. I have another day um, where I'm complete tourist. Um, Cause I like, I know like, you know, people are just like, oh, you know, don't be a tourist, be a traveler. It's like, it's your money, do what you want to do. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't really care like how people vacation, you know, as long as it's like responsible and sustainable. Like, so I have a thing, you know, any, anytime I go someplace, I always do like the, the most tourist things. I do like the big bus tour and like, you know, like go to like, you know, all the like, you know, touristy museums and like eat the, the most touristy food. And then I have a day uh, each every time I go someplace new, I always have a day where like I don't get out of bed until like one o'clock um, because I think sometimes on vacation, it's so easy to be like, you know, go, 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 go. Cause you don't have, you know, as much time, but I always spend like some time just like decompressing um, because, you know, it can be hard to decompress when you're not on vacation. So like when I'm on vacation, I want to decompress. So I don't like, you know, stay in bed until like noon or one o'clock and order, you know, um, order room 
service, do a spa at the hotel, like, you know, just really like, you know, just relax. Um, and then after that, you know, after I've done those kind of like three days of like, you know, walking, uh, uh, being a complete tourist and resting and relaxing, then my, like the rest of my trip is just kind of like, okay, I'll just, you know, walk around, you know, meet people, try new food, buy something if I want to. Um, and then, you know, just kind of go from there. Um, and that's what I did when I went to Rome. Like I had a day where I was just a complete tourist. Um, actually, I think it was like Christmas day. Um, had a day where I just like walked around everywhere. I took the subway. I try and take public transportation anywhere I go. Um, because I think you find out a lot about a city, uh, when you like, you know, experience this like public transit. So took the subway everywhere. Um, like I said, I was a tourist for a day and then I had a day where I was just like in the bed, like just watching TV. Um, and like, I found that like, you know, that, that kind of traveling really works for me. Um, I haven't really done, I, most of my trips in the last like two years or so have been solo. Um, because a lot of my like friends that I did travel with have like since moved away and, you know, we have like, all many of us are in media and so like we all have like varying schedules um but like even you know when I was traveling with uh my friends and I'm very particular about who I travel with and so you said earlier about like many of the same people like the recurring people were in like my photos when I travel and that's for a reason like I don't just travel with anyone and so like you know even like I appreciate you know when I do travel with like friends we like are typically on the same page and that like you know some days we you know we want to like get up or we want to get up at the crack of dawn and like see everything some days we want to you know be lazy some days we just want to like split up and like do our own thing and you know i appreciate that i do have friends when i do travel with them who are like all right with that because you know sometimes you travel with people who are just like well I just you know like why 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 are we splitting up because like I want to do my own thing it's like you know it, it takes a kind of you know special mature person to like not take offense to that because you know it's not offensive like you know it's just like I want to do my own thing um you want to do your own thing let's go and do our own thing and I'll see you later um and so um yeah and I always like to ask my guest, Vicky, um, how can listeners support your work? Yeah, so follow me on Twitter at Vicky, V-I-K-K-I-E, um, Instagram at Vicky, not Vicky. So that's V-I-K-K-I-E, not V-I-C-K-Y. Um, and subscribe to uh, The Points Guy and our newsletter. Um, I... I'm a, like I said, I'm a writer at TPG, um, so I do a lot of our mm-hmm. guides, um, kind of looking into the future after uh, coronavirus, so like, you know, what you should know about loyalty programs and, you know, earning points and miles and, you know, just some analysis on like the travel industry and, you know, reopenings uh, around the world, so, you know, that's definitely like the best way to like support us. Well, I want to thank you so much um, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sharing your experiences. It's been really dope talking to you um, and just like having a voice <laughs> and, a, and <laughs> to the tweets because like I've been following you for a while. On- oh, yeah. So thank you. I really appreciate your time, Vicky. Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Well, you take very good care and we'll see you on the internet streets. I will link all of those places. Oh, most of
Barum, ah, um, barum.